1: Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. My name is Mike here with Sam. Sam, are you ready to preview the first round of the
2: playoffs for the Phoenix Suns? Hell yeah, I am back. Here we are, 48 hours after the last episode, back again on the main (laughs) feed. Episode 301 on the main feed today because yes, we did not realize that our last episode was actually our 300th of all time. So we've been at this for a while. This is the start of playoff run number three for us, and it's gone a lot yeah. of different ways, but I'm ready. 300 episodes, pretty crazy. <laughs> 300 episodes, I, basically five years. Uh, we've been doing it for a while, man. We're, we're not the new kids on the block anymore, believe it or not. It's still f- I still feel that way in my mind. Uh, maybe
1: that'll never go away. Uh, but yeah, the Suns are in the playoffs. They play... The Los Angeles Clippers, and we're going to talk about that today. And I think, you know, they've done it before <laughs> two years ago. And weirdly, the Clippers team, not all that different. The Suns team, pretty dramatically different. And I think it'll be an interesting uh, series to preview. And I think the way we're going to do it is we're going to, we both wrote down some of the biggest questions we could think of that could. Have an impact on the series, and we're going to go through each of those questions
2: back and forth. Are there any Just, initial uh, thoughts? Mm-hmm. Just the two of us, by the way. No guest for today. We did call. Yeah, right. We did call Patrick Beverly and ask uh, asked if he he had <laughs> some room to talk about these two teams that he's shown so much interest in, in the past. He was not available. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll go back and forth <laughs> with some questions. Should be good. All right. Any initial thoughts before we get to our questions? Initial thoughts. I feel good uh, this was the matchup that we wanted certainly more than the Warriors uh, and and even more I think than uh, than the Lakers too I would say uh, maybe, maybe the Pelicans uh, yeah. mm-hmm. maybe the Pelicans would have been like out of the four that were competing right up until the end for that fifth seed maybe the Pelicans would have been the ideal matchup but I feel pretty good about playing the Clippers We don't know the exact status of Paul George. I imagine he's gonna miss the whole series or at least a good amount of the series but we just don't know. Um so yeah we'll operate based on what we know but I still think there's a lot of good strategy to talk about here. I still think they can give us a hell of a series. I'm not going to throw out an exact prediction number of games at least not at this point in the pod, but uh we, we kind of have mm. to hash it out, but I feel good.
1: Yeah, for those who are waiting for any sort of prediction from us, just in general we don't really do that. We try to focus mostly on basketball. I will say since all of my questions are basketball related, From a narrative perspective, before we jump into those, we have, obviously, Chris Paul versus the Clippers again, maybe less impactful after he eliminated the Clippers two years ago. The other one, I think a storyline that's sort of gone almost under the radar a little bit, or maybe people just don't care as much because it's not OKC, is the first time Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant will play each other Mm -hmm. in the NBA playoffs. I thought that was kind of an inter- interesting one. Any other like narrative storylines stand out to you for this one?
2: No, that's basically it, man. It's it's Russ versus KD. It's Kawhi versus KD. They have a very long history. That's the other one yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, um, the finals, but only one game. Yeah, but but otherwise, I mean, honestly, these teams, I don't, I, <laughs> I sense more animosity between the fan bases than I do between the teams. For once. There are potential matchups that the Suns could have had where I think they actually hate that opposing team, or at least players on our team hate that team. I don't sense that with the Clippers. I sense mostly mutual respect, especially when you talk about like the coaching staffs, Monty Williams, Ty Lue, on the two respective sides. Uh, I don't know. I think we're going to have... This is one of my, my points, actually. It's not one of my questions, so I guess I can just say it now, but I'd like to think we'll have a fairly clean, ethical series uh, in a lot of ways, but maybe I'll be proven wrong.
1: Yeah, it's, I've uh, I spent a lot of time just sort of watching a lot of the coverage and listening to some of the coverage this morning, and it was interesting to hear how it's being covered nationally. A lot of it is like, oh, isn't it weird that Kevin Durant's on the Phoenix Suns? <laughs> you know, that's like how they're all saying it, which, to be fair, it is kind of weird. I'm still not totally used to it. It would have been different if you played every game after the trade deadline, but being that we only have eight or nine or whatever it ended up being... Uh, Doesn't feel like much, and I think it makes this particular playoffs uh, hard to really cover and I think to really figure out statistically how they match up. I I guess a better way to put it is if you're a gambler, don't. (laughs) <laughs> don't gamble on don't this. Don't gamble on this not one? Not enough information. I don't know. You know I mean, if you're
2: not... if you're confident in your abilities, man, maybe there's some value that you could grab out of that that, that other gamblers couldn't. I think what's yeah, interesting about that, you know, there's the talking point of the Suns haven't... They're 8-0 with KD, yes, but they haven't had a lot of time to coalesce. Maybe they will need more time in the playoffs to really get going. I do think people often forget the other side of that equation, which is that, yes, these guys have not played a lot of minutes together, but... On the other side of things, the Clippers, they can't scout. There is no film that they can really watch on this yeah, particular yeah. combination of Suns players in order for them to better prepare to take on this team. And that's the part that I think people don't people don't really talk about enough is these two teams played each other two years ago. I think it was Kellen Olsen uh, had a really good two-part breakdown uh, preview of the series. And he was the one that mentioned in that series two years ago, The top minute getters for the Los Angeles Clippers in order were Paul George, Reggie Jackson, and Marcus Morris. Paul George is injured, Reggie Jackson's off the team, and Marcus Morris uh, currently has COVID, but even if he comes back, lost his starting spot to Nick Batum and generally seems to be playing less of a role on this current iteration of the Clippers team. These are completely different teams, both of them, from who they were two years ago. And even if you look at their four matchups this year because they're in the same division, they play four times a year, well, none of that matters either. Because none of those games were these exact combinations of of players, these lineups <laughs> that we're about to see. So it's all speculation. It could have happened. It's it all speculation happened. at this point. There are things that you can isolate, watching film, right? You can isolate certain plays, certain set designs, like specific players. Uh, but beyond that, we're all just it's it's a lot of guesswork on both sides, and that's part of the fun of it, honestly. Yeah,
1: I mean, I can I think you can make the case that the entire Western Conference playoffs is the hardest it's been to predict since I can remember. Uh, you know, like a, a lot of the top odds for the title don't even come from the top three teams, for example, uh, in the in the West. It's it's the Warriors and the Suns. The Suns have the best odds to win the title in the West so far, and they're the four seed. So the top three seeds don't even have that. And then the next one is the six seed in, in the Warriors. And then you get the uh, Nuggets at that point. But yeah, it's it's really difficult to to predict in, in a in a good way, in a way that I think could lead to a lot of really fun basketball. You know, maybe the Suns are probably the most favored of any team in the first round against their first round opponent, uh, as far as the teams that are settled. Because as of right now, we don't know who's playing the Nuggets. In the first round, the Nuggets could probably be you're your talking against. Well
2: you're talking about the West, just mm-hmm. to be clear, right? In the, the West. The just East, the West. I think the, East, the West is think, the one that's hard to predict. Yeah, I yeah. think the East is is different. <laughs> just important. The East is
1: pretty normal terrifying. for for what you know basketball usually is, which is like a couple really good teams at the top and then the rest of the teams trying to scrap. I think the West is just not really normal in that same way. We have a couple teams at the top that are good but not great, and then a bunch of teams that had injuries. Towards the bottom, that could be great, and they're still kind of good, and uh, that's what makes it really hard to predict, and could be really fun. That playing game was an example of what it could potentially. It almost feels like March Madness, where it's like, yeah, these teams are good, but (laughs) it's not this great basketball, and anyone could win, Uh, and that's kind of what it felt like during the uh, playing game. I think there's one huge, huge question that we just got to get out of the way to start. Um, and I'll just say it, it's, will Paul George play? That's like the biggest question mark in
2: this series, right? Yeah. Um, basically all of the other research I did and everything that I'm about to talk about in the next 45 minutes or hour, however long this goes, uh, it all goes out the window of Paul George plays. Cause I was just assumed he wasn't going to play and they become a, a much stronger team, a much more formidable foe. Yeah. If Paul George plays. Uh, because they would have two legitimate stars, and right now they just don't. When it's just Kawhi, their offense looks a lot more, um, just a lot weaker, a lot more vulnerable. Paul George has a knee injury. The
1: timeline for the knee injury that they initially said was two to three weeks. Three weeks is up, I believe, today as we record this, which we're recording on Wednesday uh, for those listening. And he was seen recently in a massive knee brace. There is a Clippers warm-up or practice going on right now as we speak, and there was a photo of him attempting to shoot uh, a basketball without a knee brace on uh, as we record this. Now, whether or not Paul George plays is a two-parter question. Will he play to start the series? Will he play at all towards the end of the series, for example? And, And then I guess another part to that is if he does play, what will he look like? Because I don't think he'll be fully healthy regardless it's a knee injury those are dangerous to play with and and you know for the clippers what is this year 4 or 5 of this team uh, with these two guys Jesus, together of the two of them it's
2: at least year yeah. 4 yeah
1: yeah and you know they probably want to get some games in with both of them playing and yeah like you said so much of it changes there seems to be some level of assumption in a lot of the media coverage nationally that he's not going to play at all for the first round. I'm going to just say I doubt that he doesn't play at all. You know, I think there's a chance, for example, if their backs are against the wall, that he starts to play in an elimina- elimination game or something like that. Um, maybe he doesn't start the series playing, but I-, I would doubt that he doesn't play at all in this series. And and like you said, I think it does uh, change dramatically if he does
2: end up playing. Any other thoughts on that? Just all the more reason it was great that the Suns locked up the four seed, got home court advantage so that if you don't necessarily come out of the gate the strongest, which we hope they do, but if you don't, uh, you maybe give yourself more breathing room towards the back end of a series where Paul George could potentially return. That's, I guess, the only other thing to say.
1: Well, interestingly, the Clippers were the team that rested the most uh, throughout the season too. They probably could have secured home court advantage had they not Rested, but I mean, the question always remains would Kawhi Leonard be healthy right now if they did, uh, if they didn't rest him, you know, that yeah. kind of thing? So it's always, it's just a, you know, a give and a take with that kind of thing. Um, all right, let's get into the rest of the questions we have because I think that was a big one. But the rest of them, I think we sort of are assuming, at least at some level, that he's not going to play to start. We plan on recording after every game. So we will adjust expectations as we understand how things change, you know, whether or not he's going to play how he looks, how everyone looks, that kind of thing. But for now, uh, let's just get into our questions. I think uh, I'll let you start here with what one of okay. your biggest questions is.
2: Yep. Um, so starting at number one for me, we covered that Paul George will not be in this series, at least to start. So that leaves the obvious question. What the hell is the Clippers rotation going to be in this yeah. series? And that's kind of, a, it's kind of right. a big question. It's You can attack it from many angles. I guess where we start is... Um, we all know Kawhi Leonard's the man on this team he's the one star he's been playing like I I, I posted a few days ago but his season stats if you just look at the season stats are quite deceiving he's had a hell of a run post all-star break averaging 27 points seven rebounds four assists per game on 66% true shooting that is phenomenal he has been uh, a a true number one superstar for this stretch run Uh, but around him It becomes a little bit interesting because I think the Clippers generally have this reputation even without Paul George as having a lot of valuable depth and a lot of pieces who are plug and play, potentially allowing them to go small sometimes, potentially allowing them to go big other times. They've got a glut of wings, and I mean an absolute glut of wings. And just to reflect that, even without Paul George, I have written down here 11 players who I sincerely believe could play a big role. For the Clippers in this rotation and and however we know that they are not gonna play they're not gonna roll with an 11-man rotation every night in fact you know the average playoff team ideally is looking to trim things down to maybe an eight or nine-man rotation so I can list out those players if you want I'm sure you could also guess them but mostly just to reflect the fact that I think Ty Lue really has his work cut out for him in this series with Paul George not playing I think Ka- there's a certain level of production that will be expected of Kawhi every night other guys, obviously, you know, some guys you want to step up like Russell Westbrook, but other guys, it's it's really the guys on the margins. They can find enough talent on the margins, I think, to win games, but it's going to be about choosing the right guys every night, and that's going to be a particularly difficult challenge for Ty Lue, I think, because there's a lot of different directions he could go. Just to kind of throw out some names, the guys who are on the margins who either could play or could not... Eric Gordon is starting right now. Nick Batum is starting right now. They could have... They, they could start. They could play really important roles, but they could have their minutes slashed. We're waiting on Marcus Morris to come back. Norm Powell, I think, is definitely going to play a big role because he's such a, a flamethrower, but to what extent will he play a big role remains to be seen. And then you've got the guys like, is Robert Covington going to play? He's been in and out of the rotation. Yeah. Is Bones Highland going to play? They kind of don't have another backup guard besides him, but he's also young and... Uh, just you don't know what you're going to get out of him on any given night. Is Terrence Mann going to play? Because he's played in – base? I think he's played in 81 games this season, but is also just kind of on the margins of do you trust him in a playoff series like you trust maybe Nick Batum or Marcus Morris or I don't know, other guys. So who the hell is going to play for the Clippers? I couldn't tell you exactly who's going to play every night at this point.
1: Right, right.
2: And even beyond that,
1: you know, Mason Plumlee, like do they – play bigs that that all all of those questions are which I have more to add to later but let's start with this the most used lineup since the Paul George injury was Russell Westbrook Eric Gordon Kawhi Leonard Nick Batum and in Zubats at that point so that's like their starters essentially this is what we can expect them to start with assuming Paul George is not playing Russ Gordon Leonard Batum Zubats just once again And the numbers for that lineup are really great. They have, like, really great uh, net rating. But all of that came in, like, the last two and a half, three weeks of the season. Not a lot of teams trying at that point, you know, especially compared to them who were just trying to stay out of the play-in race. They, They were just sort of desperately clawing to stay in it and didn't win a ton of games. You know, they were sort of around 500 in that time period. I think with this lineup... Starting, they were something like seven and three. I don't have that in front of me. Um, but that's the main lineup there. And I think if they start with that, then you ask who comes off the bench. But I do like the way you worded it. I think the assumption by a lot of people is the Clippers have this really great bench. And I guess my question is, do they? <laughs> <laughs> I I, th- I think I'm not, they not really do. sure, do they I,
2: I, I, I mean, think they do. But who are we talking to? who's their best bench player? Norm Powell. That's a, that's Norm Powell, okay, that's a great guy. There. That's a great guy to have as a six man. Um, potential six man of the year candidate. Yeah. He's he, he he can score twenty points, not every game, but he can go out and play thirty minutes and score twenty points sometimes. And he does it on a variety of different looks because he can hit threes but he also gets to the free throw line for them, which is really, really important. Okay. In fact He has a better free throw contact rate this season um, or free throw rate than either Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. I think that's important for them in terms of how they approach their offense this series. Right. And partially because he doesn't pass. He's now he's the only guy on their bench, though, who I'm 100 percent confident right now is going to like play a big role every night. Every other guy is talented. Beyond that, who is it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's the question. And that's what I think
1: is interesting about this assumption of depth.
2: I think Marcus Morris is still pretty good, I think he has lost a step or two. Uh, but I don't know that they need him every night. I think Mason Plumlee is good, but I don't know if they need him every night because they might want to go small. And again, I think Bones. Pigeons. Is, I, Bones can drop twenty on you too, by the way. Bones is the the only guy that could put that
1: could potentially lose them multiple playoff games and win them one. Yeah, he, you know that's absolutely. like a guy who could win them a game. So but beyond yeah. that, I just I'm not sure. Like you got Luke Kennard. Can he play? Yeah. Is he is he a good defender? No, not really. I mean, if you need absolutely need shooting, then he's out there, but then the Suns are going to target him every possession he's out there. You know, I think there's a chance that even if Terrence Mann is shooting, you know, significantly worse from the three-point line, I think there's just a chance that Terrence Mann takes those minutes because you can trust him more on switches and to defend, you know, and and if that means Terrence Mann's out there, he's a fine player. I think the the idea of depth makes a lot more sense when Paul George plays. Admittedly, and, you know Eric Gordon's now on the bench, and Eric Gordon, along with Norm Powell, that's a pretty good one-two punch coming off the bench. But I, I'm just not as impressed by the bench as I think a lot of people tend to be. I'm not sure how many of these guys are going to play a massive role uh, on, on the team. You know, a lot of the idea of the Clippers' depth, you know, started with. A, thinking John Wall was going to be good at the beginning of the season, you know? It's, there was yeah. a lot of assumptions made about this team that ended up not necessarily being true. The other per- person that's not played very well is Robert Covington. He's just not, you know, he's not
2: what people he's thought he was years ago. He's not what they need him to be. By the way, just for the quick correction, because if I don't do it, I know someone will mention it, Luke Kennard is on the Grizzlies now. Um, but, That's right. Thank you. Yeah, but I, I agree with you in the essence of The conversation, which is that I I do think they have a lot of players here who are like solid three and D role players in a vacuum. Does it necessarily coalesce together in the best way in a series against the Phoenix Suns? I'm not so sure. Just going back to the question of Bones Highland. Like, so if Bones is losing you games because he's turning the ball over and taking inefficient shots, I'm not saying that's definitely going to happen, but it could. What's your pivot? You don't have another... It's, yeah. Your your guards are Russell Westbrook and him.
1: This is exactly... This is one of my questions, and I'll just fold it right into this conversation. I just I just wanted to list out the playmakers. The playmakers, the people who are capable of dribbling and making plays for themselves and others on each team. So let's start with the Suns. We got Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, campaign. Those are the main four guys that can make plays on the team. Assuming Paul George is out, let's start naming them. Specifically for the Clippers. We got Kawhi Leonard, we got Russell Westbrook, who is a turnover machine, then who? Who can dribble? Nor Powell can dribble. Who can play who can make plays for themselves and for others? Nor Powell Powell he and can- who averages what, like one and a half assists? Maybe? Powell well, that's what I was
2: gonna say. He can make plays for himself. That's half of it. He can't make plays for others. Yeah. I mean it's good to have that. It's Marcus good to have Morris, that, but then can make yeah, a-
1: he, I can- mean, he can he can he can score Gordon? an ISO Gordon can. Occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. I think the 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 concept of depth in the playoffs is important. And I think uh, a lot of people assume the best thing to have when it comes to depth in the playoffs is three and D players. Three and D players matter a lot. And actually, they they matter a lot on teams that have superstars. Take one of the superstars away. If those three and D players can't dribble, they can't create, they can't do anything besides stand behind the three point line and take shots offensively it becomes a lot harder to do things. Dribbling and playmaking in the playoffs, as we've talked about, as it pertains to the Suns, matters more and more and more as you get deeper and deeper into the playoffs. And the fact that the, I think the Clippers are going into this with, with essentially two players that you know you can trust, and one of them
2: is Russell Westbrook,
1: <laughs> it's just a tough
2: situation it, for them. Yeah. It flows really nicely into another one of my questions, but I I do think it's your turn, so I think I should let you go first. Well, let's go right into defense then. Who
1: guards Devin Booker? Because this is the other huge, I think a massive question that's related to their lineups. Because let's start with the starting lineup. Assuming they keep the starting lineup who they have here, which is Russ, Gordon, Leonard, Batum, Zubat. Let's just say, which I'm not even sure of, let's just say Kawhi Leonard guards Kevin Durant. Right? Is that an assumption that we're willing to make at this point? Um you know, Kawhi I, Leonard. Not quite the Kawhi Leonard defensively that everyone thinks he was. I think he they, just hasn't
2: been that at all. I think they could do it. However, I want to point out one of my favorite guys for Clippers coverage, uh, and he doesn't just do clippers coverage, he does around the league coverage, but Shane Young on Twitter. I think it's Young NBA. I encourage people to go follow him. And I, I just want to quickly say I hesitate at this point, having been burned in the past, with sometimes you recommend like at the start of a playoff series you say oh go follow these these people they cover the team they do a great job and then it turns into like a toxic shit fest of two fan bases just slinging shit at each other like chimpanzees right um Shane is not going to do that he approaches the the and I think there are people who cover the Clippers who would do that Shane is not one of them he approaches all of the basketball analysis in a great way Um, all of this to say that I was listening to to him speak about it and he thinks that there is a still a very good chance that Batum starts on KD, not Kawhi Leonard. Uh if you want to talk in, about And
1: in that assumption, we're saying Kawhi Leonard guards Devin Booker. But he didn't
2: he didn't put those words out there because they didn't touch <laughs> See, on it's it. That's an interesting question. But I think it's that's possible. I also think it's possible that Eric Gordon just guards Devin Booker. Uh I so, think that's a good there's a good chance that it's Eric Gordon. But I think to your point. There's not a clear answer right now, and maybe that bodes well for the Suns. Certainly we it's know just, who there's we, know no good be, one, yeah. we know it would have been Paul George were Paul George playing. And again, right, the fact and that Paul George. It could be Paul George, Paul George
1: at some point in the series, right. It could be still him and, and maybe a potentially a hobbled Paul George at some point in the series. And I don't think the the last time the Clippers played the Suns, they had Patrick Beverly. And Patrick Beverly broke Devin Booker's nose, and that was the best possible scenario for anyone guarding Devin Booker on that team. That was a team where Devin Booker was the only real superstar. I don't see a scenario where they could build a lineup where they have players who could potentially cover both Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. This is a problem for most teams in the league. You know, I would say the teams that probably have the best options to do that are in the East. I just don't see how you do it. Um, I, I just don't see how you do it. I, I mean, the best case scenario, I think, is Leonard guards, I guess, Leonard guards Durant. And maybe you put some combination of Batum or Gordon on Devin Booker. But he's gonna he
2: Booker's going to kill either one of those guys, I think, if they try to guard him, especially around screens. He's got such a size advantage on Gordon. Um, not in terms of thickness. Gordon is a thick dude, but yeah. just, he's got height on him. and He can and just af- raise up over him, yeah. He, he can rise up over him, and he's got an athletic advantage, too, in terms of first step, quickness, all that. Eric Gordon's like 36. Um, and then but he's got a quickness advantage versus Batum as well, so it's just difficult. Uh, but then the other problem is, so you could put Batum on Durant instead. Uh, Durant will kill Batum in single coverage. He just will. Yeah. What I think yeah. – so, I'm just going to – relay or, or parlay this into one of my questions which is how are they going to approach the Kevin Durant uh matchup the Clippers so that we can kind of talk about both of them at once I think one yeah. thing they could do is they could put Batum on KD and they could basically do what we've been wondering if a team is going to do which is guard Josh Akogi with nobody and put as in like put Zubots on yeah. quote-unquote on Josh Okogi, but really just have him roaming at the rim so that he can kind of maybe box out against DeAndre Ayton because otherwise Ayton will feast on the glass. Uh, but mostly it's just going to mean that you can double coverage KD or Booker or kind of try and zone it up to whatever spot they're they're at on the floor. And Akogi is just going to have a shit ton of space and he'll have to take 10 threes per game. That seems to me like an obvious adjustment that maybe they even start the series that way or maybe they go to that at some point. Uh, Because they need an extra body on, if not Durant or Booker or both of them, then they just need to figure that out. And how they figure it out one-on-one with the five guys that we know are probably going to be starting, I just think it's going to be too difficult.
1: Yeah, I don't don't really know what they're going to do there. I think that's probably one of the more interesting questions on how they guard Josh Okogie. And I think the Suns can do some interesting things with Russell Westbrook on the other side of that, which we can talk about. Um, actually I'll just say it now, like with the Suns and Russ, if you're just daring Russ to shoot, by the way, who shot like 35 or 36%, I think from three well on the Clippers. I don't believe in it in any way. And I think the more shots you take, the less likely they're going in. Like the Suns could just put Durant, for example, on Russell Westbrook and just let Durant be the guy helping everywhere and (laughs) letting Russ just shoot, um, from the perimeter and, you know, that kind of thing. And I think even if they start to just really shade off of somebody like Okoge, uh,
2: yeah, that's when you get guys like Terrence Ross in there and, you, and well, you try
1: to see what they can do.
2: And I do think, you know, I want to give Akogi some credit. First of all, he's shooting, I think, like 34% on wide-open threes uh, or catch-and-shoot threes this season, which is not great, but I think it's just good enough that if he's taking eight or nine of those a game, I think you will be fine. Um, but if he's having games like one for eight zero for eight like he did in that one Dallas game yeah you might have to pull him on the other hand he he can win help you win the possession battle back because he's still enormous on the offensive glass he's so good uh, as an offensive rebounder and I I like if you give a kogi that much space he's gonna take every inch you give him He's not just going to shoot every time. He will drive the ball. He will drive the ball with an intention to dunk it on your head, and in doing so, will get to the free throw line, or he's a decent passer for his position as well. So I don't think it's just as simple as Josh Okogi's not a great shooter, let's leave them open the entire series and we'll be fine because I think Josh Okogi is smarter than that. And we've also seen the ways that the Suns can sometimes come and use Akogi as a screener and how that can open up their offense as well. So, you know, I think that adjustment might come where Tyloo says, okay, let's just make the fifth man beat us. Uh, But I think that would be an early series thing to happen rather than a late series thing to which the Suns could make the next chess move from there. Um, There's definitely disaster potential where Akogi gets played off the floor if he just can't hit his threes at all. But to be honest, with the season he's had, I have more confidence in him than that.
1: Well, another thing they like to do is if they put Josh Okogi at, say, the top of the key and post up Kevin Durant in the corner with Chris Paul being the one feeding uh, Kevin Durant, what they're essentially doing is they're daring Chris Paul's man to double Durant, which means Josh Okogi's man is going to come off to guard Chris Paul on the catch, which gives Josh Okoge the straight line cut to the basket. So mm-hmm. Okoge and his cutting, if they plan on not guarding him, are, is also going to be really important. And, and I think Durant has done a particularly good job finding guys on the cut, specifically in the post if they try to double that, which I think you know maybe they won't do if it's Leonard guarding uh Durant but you know the other thing the Suns do is they do a really good job of forcing teams to switch when they're not trying to switch so even if they start the possession with Leonard on Durant there's a good chance that Chris Paul is going to make them switch you know whoever's going to be on Chris Paul onto Durant so they have to double and then I think that's the chance where you can get a Kogi to try and cut a few possessions to at least put that pressure on them long enough until somebody else gets in say Kawhi Leonard comes
0: out uh, and goes from there
3: Twice a week, JJ Reddick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami.
2: What do you got? What's your next one? Uh, Well, I had the how will they guard KD, so I think it's actually your turn again because we burned through one okay, of Okay, perfect. Well, I think
1: on the other side of that, I think the easy question is who guards Kawhi?
2: Yeah. Same, it's same issue. Just flip it around.
1: Yeah, and I think the Suns in particular have the different type of problem where in some sense, if a Kogi starts, now we're assuming a Kogi is going to start, which I think... At the very least, I think Akogi is going to start the first game in the series. I don't think the Suns are going to go away from something that's been working. They haven't lost a game yet with the starting lineup, so might as well give it a try. It's a really small power forward, essentially, <laughs> which is a position he kind of plays. I mean, I guess you could say he's a small forward as well, but it's a small forward uh, to to play with Josh Akogi, and that means Akogi is matched up on Kawhi. Akogi is going to bother him every time he tries to dribble, uh, but if Kawhi can get into that power game and really force him down into the paint, I think you can see him just sort of uh, essentially pushing off and getting some open shots. That means the Suns, if they continue to leave somebody like Josh Okogie on Kawhi, the help defense and the rotations to shooters is going to be really important. But the other option is, you know, they switch to Torrey Craig or Ish Wainwright or- to guard Kawhi. We saw Ish Wainwright pretty Garden pretty well but
2: yeah the other option I think you can say I'll let you have a chance to talk about that one it's Devin Booker uh I don't know I mean this is a weird Devin Booker series because if Paul George were playing everything just fits nicely into place you've got oh the here's the narrative of Kawhi versus KD here's the narrative of Chris Paul versus Westbrook and then there would be the narrative of Devin Booker versus Paul George without Paul George I mean this is great for the Suns because that all kind of falls apart but so then what is Devin Booker's job this series exactly? Uh we don't know who's going to be guarding him and we don't know who he's going to be guarding. I think it's kind of whatever uh we we decide to make of it. It's whatever we in, role we invent for him. Um I definitely think he's up to that challenge uh at this point in his career. Uh because Kawhi's difficult, man. It, he's a Koki small and I just think Kawhi would get a li- and and like he doesn't make a lot of mistakes in terms of turning the ball over. I almost think a would be better on Westbrook. Uh, I don't know exactly. I haven't really thought this all through in my head of exactly where you would hide Chris Paul then. But I feel like a Kogi really helps you win the possess the possession battle by staying on the perimeter, forcing turnovers. Uh, but I do think Kawhi in kind of an iso mid range situation, it's not the ideal matchup for a Kogi. He can kind of just rise up over him, and I don't think he can do that as easily against Devin Booker, who has a little bit a little bit more. Strength to him, so. But I don't know. It, it's, I mean, you, you could you go even way.
1: say it. It it could be KD too. I yes, mean, yeah.
2: That's could, that's the other obvious one. It could absolutely be KD. Well, here here's the real then, thing. Mm-hmm. I just think like this is a series where so instantly all of these one-on-one breakdown conversations are just they they can't exist um because both teams are going to be so much smarter than that. I implore the Suns to be smarter. Than just kind of sticking to their typical conservative drop defense, where everyone guards like one person and that's whatever. This is a series where, well, actually, maybe I should save it because this this hits on another one of my questions as well. We're just the, yeah, we can save it. The transitions are, are are too seamless in this episode, but I don't know who's <laughs> gonna guard Devin Booker or uh, Kawhi Leonard. Could be Devin Booker, yeah, Cooker, Kogi.
1: Yeah, I'd like them to start with the Kogi just to see. And I think what's nice about this is that they have a lot of guys you can throw at him. Like you say, you start with a Kogi for a few possessions. You switch Devin Booker onto him for a few possessions. You switch KD onto him for a few possessions. Then the bench comes in. Now you got Torrey Craig just bodying him up for a few possessions. And and that for Kawhi Leonard, when he's the only star out there, which could just be one game, could be the entire series. Then you you want to make him as un- uncomfortable as possible, not knowing what's coming. You know, maybe you double, maybe you don't, maybe you try to force the ball out of his hands as much as possible. Let other guys try to create. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just a lot of ways that you can guard one star teams, as we've seen with Devin yes. Booker when it when it was a one star team with him on the team. Um, you have a lot of options to throw at them, and Kawhi, as good as anyone, just sort of imposing his will and still scoring. Uh, but if you can force the ball out of his hands at all, you know, and maybe you don't, maybe you just say, okay, a do, do as best as you can. And we're just not going to let them get any threes. Cause that's another question mm. that I have, um, going forward, but Ye- you know, it's, it's Kawhi Leonard and, and as much as he hasn't been Kawhi Leonard of the past in a while in the last few months, he kind of has been, and it'll be interesting to see how that
2: translates to the playoffs. Yeah, you're hitting exactly on it, so I'm just going to segue into my next question because it covers exactly this, which is can the Suns throw the first punch defensively? What I mean by that is I want the Suns to be more aggressive, specifically on Kawhi Leonard, because they are in a unique position that they have not been in throughout this season. The Suns throughout the season, first of all, to give them credit with their conservative drop defense or whatever that I was just trashing a second ago, it's it's a top 10 defense in the NBA. There's not necessarily a reason to go into the playoffs and change it. Uh, But I think, conversely, on the other side of the ball, we've seen what other teams have done to the Suns when we only had Devin Booker healthy. We've seen the traps. We've seen the doubles. We've seen how it can throw our offense out of rhythm. And rarely have we had the opportunity to do it back to another team. This is the series to do it. We have rarely gotten this opportunity, but finally here we are with two star players and they have won. Uh, anytime Kawhi Leonard's around a pick and roll, at least well, not every time because then it becomes predictable. But I would be playing Da much higher up. I think this is the series where you have maybe a little bit more wiggle room to to try some hedging, try some trapping, see what works, what doesn't, because you're you're kind of experimenting for maybe the later rounds of the playoffs as well. And when you talk about Kawhi, a guy who is so gifted as a one on one scorer but is not particularly a playmaker. Even in this awesome run that he's had post All-Star break, he's only averaging four assists per game. And if he's in the position where suddenly he's facing doubles, he's facing traps, and the only other bailout options he, he has on offense are to pitch the ball to Russell Westbrook, who might be wide open from three and might be taking that shot every time, or maybe to Norm Powell, who's gonna take that shot every time and isn't a playmaker it becomes pretty difficult to see possession to possession, exactly how the Clippers are going to have a coherent offense. So in the past, I think Monty has hesitated this defensive strategy. I think trapping hedging is hard hedging. At least is, is like the thing we've seen the Suns do least this year. They're much more likely to drop or switch, but I think this is the series to go for it. Like at least until Paul George is back If Paul George is back. This doesn't make any sense, but take Kawhi's space away make him as uncomfortable as possible turn him into a playmaker I would just go for it Uh, you can I don't know how you feel about that but
1: I it's interesting because this is related to one of my questions and I'll I'll fold it into this as well since it's related but let's start with what you said about this is a series to do it because some people might be saying it should have been done against Luca the thing about Luca and this is what makes him different than Kawhi to your point is that you trap Luka on the left wing, he can make that pass himself to the right corner. For example, across the court, over three defenders, two, right on the money to a shooter in the in the right corner. Can Kawhi do that? I'm not saying he can't. Uh, we just have not seen it as much as Luka. Luka's just really great at it. So the problem with trapping Luka is often it leads directly to a wide-open three-point shot. Um, now, the difference with Kawhi, I think, the and, and really the Clippers' offense in general, and the type of players that are on that team is if you start trapping Kawhi Leonard, the likelihood of it getting to that left corner is more likely on a swing. So like maybe two, maybe three players touch the ball in order to get it to that corner, assuming you're trapping Kawhi on the wing. So, you know, that shooter might be open. And yeah, I think I agree with you. But the one well, thing I will say is mm-hmm. go ahead. No, 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 you keep going. The question I had is, can the Suns contain the Clippers from three? Because since Paul George's injury, and throughout the season, but since Paul George's injury in particular, the Clippers are shooting 42% from three as a team, which is the best in the league in that stretch. Now, it's a small stretch, but look, those players that are making those threes, those are the players that are playing in the playoffs. So, there is some level of risk to saying We're going to trap Kawhi and we're going to let the ball swing around the perimeter. The the problem with that in some respects, and I think the reason that I don't think the Suns will do this to start, I could be wrong, is that you're making those role players who can't do much else other than shoot, you're giving them the opportunity to be effective at the one thing they're good at.
2: Yeah. Which is shooting? I don't necessarily, and I think there is some level of risk in that. I don't. I, I agree that there is some level of risk. I don't, and I also agree. By the way, I don't think Monty's going to open up the series doing this. No way, because we've never seen him do it. I'm just saying what right. I would like to do, um, but I, I, I don't think there's necessarily as much of that risk if you play them in the right way. You mentioned the fact a lot of these you don't want to lose a series on corner threes. That's like a, a shotgun blast to the chest. Like if you're losing a series because Robert Covington and Terrence Mann are hitting corner threes on you, but you also said that, that swing pass, it's going to be two or three decisions away from Kawhi. Yeah. Two yeah. or three guys uh-huh. in a row have to make the right decision. And and I think this is very important. I have here, it's not a question, but it's a bullet point here at the top of my note sheet. It's in big, bold letters. It's the, the largest font I have on this entire sheet. And it just says, <laughs> let the Clippers be dumb. That's all it says. Let right. the Clippers be dumb. What I mean by that, and I think this is a point you've brought up in the past as well. The Clippers are not a team of .5 basketball uh, decision-making savants. They're just not. And they got a few. They got a few. They're just not. They've got some guys absolutely who can sit in the corner and hit threes. And you don't want the ball necessarily to fall into their hands every time. But mostly when I talk about, I want to be aggressive on Kawhi and Kawhi only. I'm talking about trapping Kawhi. I'm not talking about trapping anyone else. Because there are other guys. Russell Westbrook, if the ball winds up in, in Russell Westbrook's hands and now suddenly he's... Like, if Russell Westbrook wants to go at you one-on-one, let him. Let him do whatever he wants all day. Don't bring help. Don't scramble. Don't, like, let Russell Westbrook take whatever shots he wants in this series. Marcus Morris, again, I don't even know what type of role Marcus Morris is going to be playing. Marcus Morris wants to post you up from the the high post, like, for turnaround mid-range jumpers. Fucking let him. It doesn't matter. Like, that's not, the math is not on LA's side if they let the ball stick in certain guys' hands. The, the offense needs to go through Kawhi. And if it's not going through Kawhi, then maybe it's in Westbrook's hands. But good offense means Westbrook is touching the paint and then kicking it out to the open shooters. Good offense is not if you just let Westbrook take pull-up jumpers. If you let Westbrook take pull-up jumpers, if you let Marcus Morris take mid-range jumpers, Norm Powell too, to a certain extent, just like these other guys, you win the series. Because they're not going to win the possession battle. And those are garbage shots. It's bad offense. It's, it's pretty simple.
1: Russ uh, playing 30 minutes a game in LA is averaging 3.4 turnovers per game, which is really bad. <laughs> really, really bad. And The turnover battle, I think, is going to be an interesting battle in that the Suns are probably going to take less threes. Just That's just what they do. And even if they take more, they're probably going to make less because of the three-point uh, discrepancy. But one thing to point out too with these teams is the Clippers are 24th uh, in pace. And the Suns, not much better. <laughs> 22nd in pace. But if the turnover battle starts to go in their favor, uh, I think they got to push the ball at least every once in a while with live ball turnovers. You know, the Suns do a really good job of, of not turning it over for the most part. I think there's been some dumb turnovers as they get used to each other uh, recently. Um, you know Kevin Durant with 2.5 per game in the games that he's played in Phoenix that's not normal I think that can probably be cut down pretty dramatically as the playoffs go along um, but yeah if, if you start to force the ball out of Kawhi's hands and unlike you said these guys start making mistakes pushing the ball a little bit would be helpful will they do it probably not <laughs> you know we, we probably talked about the uh, opportunity to do that in every single uh, playoff preview, series preview that we've done so far, uh, but it would be nice to see it because somebody like that. Um, but what I will I just, say is if, four if out of the five starters are pretty good at like that point five basketball, you know? Uh, it's just Russ. that's not. You know,
2: Gordon, Leonard, Batum, Zubats, all of them pretty good Uh, at, I mean, at sort of that quick read. Yeah, they're fine. Gordon's fine. Uh, like Batum, if he catches in the corner and shoots, Batum's he's fine. good at it. Yeah. I mean he can make that that quick. You know, I suppose he's not he's not assist. turning he's not turning the ball over, but you start yeah. to run into issues with Russ. You maybe run into yeah. issues with Bones. You maybe run into issues with Marcus Morris, Norm yes. Powell. Just guys, guys who are for sure. Way too yeah, way too trigger happy. Like half the roster is way mm-hmm. too trigger happy, and that's where I think you yeah. can start to exploit them a little bit.
1: Yeah, I'll say it again just to bring up the point from earlier. The playmakers on each team. The Suns have Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and campaign. And then the Clippers have Kawhi. And then you're talking about Russell Westbrook, Norm Powell, Eric Gordon, Bones, and Terrence Mann. These guys are not great assist guys. You know, Russ will get them, but at you know, at the rate that he gets assists, the turnovers are pretty close behind that, uh, pretty regularly. So it's just not a ton unless they to get uh Paul George back. So yeah, I think you're right. And I I think it'll be an interesting chess match because the other thing is you don't trap for a whole game almost ever. No, no, no. You know, unless you're playing against Devin Booker, that's what teams tend to do. Um, but when they throw it at him, when they try it, I think those types of things will be an interesting uh, thing to to watch because occasionally with Kevin Durant on the team, occasionally they did trap even with DeAndre Ayton. So we'll see what they end up doing there. Uh, let's see. That was your question, right? Is it my turn? Uh, yeah. How many do you have left? I have two left. I have a. F- i have a few yeah i have <laughs> don't tell me you have like seven and, left <laughs> no i mean i i always write a few extra just in case we you Overlap know too it's much, like 40 yeah. minutes <laughs> or it's like 40 minutes left i'm, I'm very much uh, uh,
2: in a different way you ask me for five i give you exactly five and not one percent more so <laughs> will the clippers play small yeah
1: that's the next question here um and i think the double part of this question is how good will eight and be in this series which is, I think, going to be the question not just for every series, but for every game because the importance of DeAndre Ayton is is it's very high uh, defensively. But if they go small, it's also going to be offensively. And throughout the series, it's going to be on the boards regardless of if they're big or they're small. Um, but, you know, we saw it previously. The Clippers went small. DeAndre Ayton played well against the Clippers. I think he was really important in that series. And, of course, the we all remember the value and and how important that play was, uh, but if they go small, the the options they had before was Aiton. The option they have now is KD. And I think that's just a little different <laughs> as far as whether or not they keep Aiton on the floor or not, um because you know if you go Kevin Durant at center when the Clippers play small. It's just different. That means DeAndre Ayton's off the floor. And, and I don't know if that's good or bad for the Suns. I think it might be dependent on how the game's going or or when they do it. Like if they do it at the end of the fourth quarter, I have a feeling DeAndre Ayton will be in. Mm-hmm. If they do it to start the third quarter, you know, or halfway through the third quarter, at that point, you might
2: go with Kevin Durant at center for a while there. I think it's really great for the Suns <laughs> that they can just play Kevin Durant at center if they choose to. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like... It's so great, yeah. It's the ultimate, it's the ultimate trump card because... It does put a lot of pressure on Monty, though. Sure. But we're talking about something that has been this L.A. team's identity. Like, it was a big deal for them to go out and acquire Mason Plumlee uh, and and kind of go away from the small ball five identity that they had embraced in the past. Because now, yeah, you could still do it. Like, okay, you want to fucking get Robert Covington some run and play him at the five? Okay, that's cute. Here's Kevin Durant, and we're going to rain mid-range jumpers on you and destroy you. Possession by possession. Like, it's just, I I don't know. It's like, they have some nice role players that they can stick out four or five, and maybe you could even argue, like, that's the ideal way that the Clippers should embrace more of those minutes, and it's the ideal way for them to guard Kevin Durant. They just start switching everything. Uh, But the Suns are just, I, I think the Suns win that battle, because at the end of the day, they just have more talent offensively. I don't think it necessarily goes in the Clippers' favor at all. Yeah, I think you're probably right. And I just I feel I don't good think they've really done it. Feel as, good. I don't think they've done it as much this season in general. They haven't, but um, you're you're hand wringing a little bit. Partially too much because for me. you don't you're not feeling good enough about this for me. You have Kevin Durant on your team, Mike. You have Kevin Durant <laughs> yeah. on your team. Be happy.
1: Well, I'll say this. Actually that's an that's an interesting point because how confident are you in the Suns
2: in general just going into the playoffs? To, like, I you, mean you seem like you feel pretty great they need to win a championship in order for this experiment to have worked so like I don't think that like I don't feel I feel good about that in the sense that they're yeah they're one of the favorites but I also know that several other teams could win the championship this year so that's hard but just to get out of the first round against the Clippers I feel fucking great I don't know like do you do you not uh, do you- uh, yes absolutely Okay, so where's where's think, this doubt coming from right now? Let's let's psychoanalyze you a little bit because I know. Yeah, no,
1: no, no, no. I'm I'm prepared to talk about that beyond it's, it's the question of the, health,
2: which I think we can just cast aside because obviously, yeah, that's just it. That is what it is. That it is what looms it is. That's always over, a question. Yeah, the entire playoff. Yeah. front.
1: it's always a question. Every playoff series, every playoff game, regardless of of how you feel about the rest of the the nitty gritty and the details, health is always the biggest question. But the Suns have Kevin Durant. They've won every single game Kevin Durant has played, and I still think it has not looked as good as it should have. Well, that's just and true. I think it's just true. It's just true, yeah. And I think if it had, it, I would feel more confident. And it's not necessarily like I'm worried about this series. I think the Suns should be heavily favored in this series. I don't make predictions. Things always happen you don't expect. I don't like to do that prediction thing. I just think it makes the games less fun in general. That's his way of saying Clippers um, and Sun but folks. <laughs> but I think there is a version of me going into this playoffs where my confidence in the team is soaring, and it's not. I think the Suns are, if if I had to just guess based on what I've seen, I think the Suns are beatable in the playoffs. I don't think it's a guarantee that they make the finals. Having said that, I am not confident in any Western Conference team. They're all beatable. I think every single one is, and when every team is beatable and you're the only team that has Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, you should feel the most confident. And I think I feel the most confident uh, out of all of those teams. It's just such a weird year where the Suns have a gear to hit that they have not hit. And I would have liked to see them hit that gear in the regular season before going into the playoffs. Now they're going to be trying to hit that gear in the playoffs where the games matter more than any other time. And they could. And they probably will at times in the postseason. And I hope... You know, it starts pretty quickly here in the first round because if they make it out of the first round, which I think they will, it starts to get tougher and tougher as the series go, of course. Um, So, yeah, you know, look, I am confident, but I do think that the Suns have not made me in the way that they've played and just because of the lack of games that they've had together. I, there's a version of me feeling differently a lot more confident in the playoff or going into the playoffs is what I'll say
2: mm-hmm. is yeah. that that's fair right yeah no I think that's fair I think you yeah you qualified it okay in the what right do you way.
1: got what's what's your next uh what's your next sure number question? four
2: is this a Chris Paul series do you have ah. anything on Chris Paul no I don't okay yeah. so I'm glad we're have ta- thoughts glad we're course. talking about him. Yeah. you better you better <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're talking about it a little bit uh, you know some people mentioned the fact Chris Paul played well to close the season not in the sense that yeah. he had you know all of a sudden 25 30 point games I think he had maybe one uh, but it like his last game of the season uh, but his last 10 games he averaged 15.6 points he shot 46 percent from the field and 45 percent from deep he was good he's riding some momentum into the playoffs and he was good enough to the point at which I think people were asking us online, they were like, is Chris Paul, has he just been saving it for the playoffs this whole time? Like, is that is that what's happening? He's just saving his energy? He's conserving it? Um, I think it's dramatic to say that, because I do believe Chris Paul always gives it his all. However, I do think there is something to the fact that Chris Paul has positive momentum going for him right now, and the conditions behind this specific series could be conducive to a good Chris Paul series and I would hope to see it Chris Paul was asked recently or or he just talked about to reporters the fact that point guards actually guard him again you know for a while it was like other players would would hide on Chris Paul essentially or, or or sorry um the the opposite that that uh Chris Paul was one of the tougher assignments on the team to take and so that the best defenders we guarding Booker, and then they were guarding Chris Paul as the second guy. Well, now Chris Paul is the third, arguably even fourth guy, but the third perimeter creator on this team. So the best defenders are going to Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, obviously. Who guards Chris Paul in this series? It's going to be Russell Westbrook. Because who else could Russell Westbrook possibly guard? He's not going to guard Devin Booker. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- they could hide him on, I guess, a Kogi, but... And then, and then what did you, so? Gordon? Uh, is this really, well, I <laughs> they suppose don't have the guys to guard this team in. <laughs> sup- we keep talking about it. I suppose they could do that, but I'm operating under the assumption that I think Russell Westbrook is going to guard Chris Paul. And I think that is a great matchup for Chris Paul. Not so much in terms of he's not going to beat him with his speed or athleticism, but you work Russell Westbrook in actions. Go to your double drag, go to your elbow series, go to like whatever, you know, Spain, all of the stuff that we know that they run, but work Russell Westbrook into multiple actions and specifically pick on his screen navigation. And that's where Chris Paul is going to start finding space. And I think if he has his shot going based on his final stretch 10 the season and he can continue that momentum, I think the shots will be there for Chris Paul. Like, yes, KD will get his, Booker will get his, but I think Chris Paul could have a good series. I feel pretty good about that right now.
1: Uh, it's one thing to say the thing about the Suns with their current iteration of the team is if Chris Paul has it like his shots there, there's no guarding them. There's nothing you can do. So if he has it, you're dead. You're just dead. I don't think any team could beat them. If, if all three and plus Deandre and at the rim, just have it, there's nothing you can do. the likelihood of, of defensive players leaving Chris Paul now is high it's pretty high because he's the guy passing it to one of the guys that gets double teamed and they're not going to leave Devin Booker they're not going to leave Kevin Durant if they can avoid it uh, so leaving even in the mid-range off the dribble there's a chance that they just leave him there <laughs> and you know that means he's got to hit it the theory from Kellen Olsen when we talked about this was Chris Paul has has gas left in the tank but then When he uses it, that's it. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you you can't fill it back up. You can't fill it back up that there's gas in the tank, but you know, there's no refilling it. Um, And I believe that too. I think he does have it. I think there is some level of saving himself for the playoffs. And I think he understands the importance of this particular playoffs uh, as his best opportunity to win a title more than any other time including the Houston years which I think you could have made the case that the Houston years were the best chance until the Suns made the play or the finals obviously that was the best opportunity once you're there you're there but he was out of it he was out of it in the finals he was out of it in the Mavs series and he's not going to be out of it in this Clippers series I think it's there and yeah I think it's going to be a really important series for him and I think like I said if, if he can hit shots there's nothing you can do.
2: I want to see you can do. I, I'm really rooting hard on the redemption arc, man, because this fan base has picked on Chris Paul a little bit this season. I would like yeah. to see the, the redemption. I'd like to see a game or two in this series where it's really him coming through, making those shots and kind of persevering in the big moments. I got two quick ones. You have, is that was that your last one? I have one last one, but it's also a quick one. It's more like okay. a fun. I'm going to make you make a prediction.
1: Okay, then let me just do mine, and then I'll let you do that one last because mine aren't that fun. Uh, who plays backup center? I think this is just yeah, cu- that's a quick one. You know, is is it going to be Jock or is I it got gonna it right, I, think gonna <laughs> I think it's going to be Biz. I think it's going to be Biz,
2: right? At least to start the series. Uh, dude, I really I don't know. I would have had to go back into like their game. They logs. play a big. They play Plumlee. Yeah, like, they no, don't really. They, they, play they used to.
1: They used to play Zubots and then that's it. Yep. not play any other bigs. You know, just play small and every other. They don't do that anymore. Yep. So the Suns need a big, and he's good. You know, he's he's a good backup center.
2: Plumlee, uh, yeah, Plumlee. he is. He's and and the fun thing too about Zubats and Plumlee, like they get no drop off and rebounding from one guy to the next. Both of those guys, you look at their numbers, it's like thirteen rebounds per thirty six for both of them. They're just they're two strong ass dudes. Um. So yeah, the yeah, Suns might want to match that with Biz, but uh, but I think either guy's capable.
1: Yeah, Plumlee kind of, Jock matched up against Plumlee at some point in the season. Plumlee kind of had his way with Jock a little bit, but I think Jock's capable. I think offensively, we we, we know the difference. And yeah, I think it's going to be biz. I'm interested to see if that holds for the entire series, and, and I guess we'll see. Maybe it's just like the regular season where uh, they're just going to switch off every two games. <laughs> one, one to the other uh, as it goes. Um, but that's all I got that one the other question I have is will the Clippers go to the zone defense a lot uh, I, we've talked a lot about how they don't really have the guys to match up one-on-one against the Suns and the Suns have good options for the zone in that they have guys who could potentially isolate and and guys who can shoot in the star players but I do think that there is some level of Teams kind of have to play together against a zone defense to to play well, and they haven't had a lot of time against zone defenses. Mm. And I think the it's Clippers are, are are willing. The Clippers are willing to play zones. I I looked it up. I haven't watched enough to know about it, so I tried to look up some instances like, of of Clippers reporters talking about their zone defense. And it seems like they spent quite a bit of time. And look, they got Ty Lue. This is this guy's like a. Uh, some sort of scientist back there doing crazy stuff uh, coaching-wise, and they're going to try everything they can. Yeah. And I think the zone defense could play a
2: factor in this series. Do you know which zone but off the top of your head? I wouldn't necessarily no, expect No, I don't. To. I didn't fine. see any
1: film. I try, I, if anyone could find film, I would love to watch it, but I couldn't find any clips of it. I just saw instances of people talking about it.
2: Yeah, it's just hard because I, I get what you're saying. The Suns definitely haven't had that level of cohesion. Knowing Ty Lue, I would expect him to throw it out there at some point. I just don't know what version of the zone. If Devin Booker, Kevin Durant and Chris Paul are on the floor at once, uh, what version yeah. of the zone can you deploy where they don't find the gaps? I'm I'm not really sure. Um, now, if you want to get a little bit more inventive and kind of muck up their space in the minutes where it's just Booker or it's just KD and otherwise kind of like bench guys, that might be a little bit more interesting. You know, maybe you could box and one them in, in, in some situations, but uh But I don't know. It's not going to be a go-to strategy for them in any case. It probably will be something. I could
1: see the box-in one, like when Durant and Booker are not on the floor together. That's
2: exactly that's exactly what I mean. Like KD will come off the floor, and then it'll be Booker and four bench guys who Tyloo doesn't really care about. All due respect to them, but you know, campaign or Landry Shamit or whoever it is, and so he'll say, "Okay, let's box in one Booker for three or four minutes and see what happens." Yeah, I could see that happening for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what ends up happening there. Just wanted to give it a shout-out because I think there's a chance that we hear the word zone on the broadcast quite a bit (laughs) going forward. So we'll see what ends up happening there. That's all I got. Uh, I mean, obviously, we'll have more after every single game to talk about adjustments and all that. Um,
2: But what do you got for your last one? I got one more. I want to force you to make a prediction. Um, And don't worry, it's not the series prediction because I know you don't do those. but. When I think mm-hmm. about the greatest Suns' performances in the playoffs that I've personally seen in my life, one of them that instantly stands out, maybe his best playoff game ever, although I think it's debatable because there were some great ones in the finals as well. Devin Booker, two years ago in the Western Conference finals, game one against the Clippers, he had 40 points, 13 rebounds, and 11 assists, tore them to shreds. You remember this game, obviously. Yeah. Without a doubt I think his best game in my opinion. You think it's better than the back-to-back 40 points? Those are tough because they were losses. Well, I think the
1: circumstances the circumstances of the game in that Chris Paul was all of a sudden not playing. Yeah. mattered. He also yeah, had That's
2: crazy. He also had 47 against the Lakers in round 1 of that yeah. same year. So that's, you know, Eight that stands threes. out as well. Yeah. But I think 40-30 and 11 probably or did I say 30-40 <laughs> 13 <laughs> and 11 is probably his best playoff game. It's crazy. Now I'm going to challenge you between anyone on the Suns, but realistically, the only guys who could top this would be Booker or uh, or Kevin Durant. I'd love to see Josh Akoge try and score 41 points. I don't think it's going to happen. But do you think there could be any individual performance in this series that outdoes that between either of I those think guys? We, I think we are about to see an
1: absolutely insane playoff performance from Devin Booker. And not, not just, you know, in one game. I'm not going to call it out one game. We're about to see Devin Booker in the playoffs against the second best defender on every team. (laughs) You know, we have not yet seen that. And I think he's going to be insane. I think there's a reason his numbers were so juiced in the games that Kevin Durant played with him. The the way he, the looks he was getting, the shots he was getting, they're just going to be so much better. And if anyone does it, I think it's going to be uh Devin Booker because I think the defenses are just gonna really panic with KD
2: and KD is gonna be willing to move that ball it's this is very much not a scientific thing so don't hold me to this but it just feels like defenses are gonna be panicking about KD they're gonna be throwing doubles at KD and none of it's gonna matter he's gonna get to his 25 26 27 points every single night regardless on solid efficiency no matter what defense you throw at him Meanwhile, there's Booker, and I think there are going to be some nights where he has 15 points and is very much a second option, and other nights where I could see a 40- to 50-point explosion, honestly. I I think if there's any guy who has that potential, uh, it's Book. I'm excited.
1: I'm excited. We got game one Sunday at 5 p.m. Arizona time, and our plan is to record after that one. Um, and also, if you'd like to join us on Saturday morning, we're going to be watching the game one of the Nets Sixers series on playback just to watch Cameron Johnson and Mikhail Bridges show a little support. I think a lot of Suns fans will be watching that game. We figured might as well be with us. Um, so check out that game. We won't be doing game one of the Suns series on playback. If
2: we do a game in the first round, we will let you
1: we, know. We
0: probably will
2: just to yeah we probably will it's just not going to be an every game thing obviously because of scheduling conflicts and also I just don't think it would be that fun to do every game on playback I think it should be more of a special yeah. occasion but uh yeah we will do some suns games on playback this playoff run at some point so stay tuned for that in the meantime hopefully you join us for the next game Saturday morning yep very excited for this
1: round one. it's one of the best times of the year you just turn on your TV on the weekend. And there's
2: games on all day long. <laughs> it's one of the best. And not only uh, that, so but... So we're excited to cover it. They actually matter. They are games that matter. Exactly. No load exactly. management, people. No, uh, no fake injuries. <laughs> These games all matter. Thank you, everyone, for
1: listening to this preview. We will be back to you after every game with our expected adjustments as the series goes on. Enjoy the playoffs, and we'll be back soon.